God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So we have so much to cover today, yes. and today is uh, tomorrow, really, is the 50th anniversary. No, it's today. Is it today? Yeah, the oh, 17th. Okay. It is today. 50th anniversary of Watergate. Of Watergate. Would you believe that? Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I have, I, I think I, we, Scott Adams Show has a very unique perspective on how I can compare Watergate with the Russian hoax. Yes. And Hillary Clinton was involved in both scandals. Exactly. And yeah. we're going to talk about that later in the show today. We also recently rewatched All the Presidents, man. Oh, we did, just for this show. Just actually. for the show, because it's interesting. I mean, it's... Well, it, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, as much as I'm not as a real admirer of uh, Carl Bernstein or uh, Bob Woodward at this point, I still can go back and w watch that movie again. And I can see how so many people were inspired to become journalists as a result of the I book and the movie. was inspired to be a journalist Yeah, uh, when I saw that movie. Yeah. And uh, I have to say... Um, you know, in my naivety when I was a young child, I just was like, oh, man, I want to be Woodward and Bernstein. I actually saw Carl Bernstein at the mall yep. <laughs> about a, about three, four weeks, about a month ago, yeah. maybe. And uh, I was about to shout out. He was walking by himself in the mall. Yeah. And I was going to say, Woodstein. <laughs> like Ben Bradley used to do, yes. <laughs> yeah, Woodstein. What about Woodward and Bernstein? Bernstein Woodstein. Yeah. Um but you know, they turned out to be such wackadoodles, right? Such liberal wackadoodles. Well, uh, you know, I was And you you start to realize, you know, we were at an event that was kind of a special private yeah, we event a, with we a congressman. A we were at a private event with a congressman that I put that I put on and Are we uh, allowed to say the congressman? Yeah, sure. Name? I mean, it was it, I'll it was, let you it do was it. with uh, Whip uh, Steve Scalise. Well, he, they they he, they call him Whip Scalise. But like I said, it was a private event and what yeah. happens at a private event is off the record, so we can't really talk about what was discussed at the event. But, but what we can see 
say is is that there there was a frank discussion of the issues that are going on in the world. Um, but again, as it's off the record, you can't talk yeah. about what was said in the room. Yeah. But the point but the point <clears throat> is is that. You know, there are a lot of things going on, and there are people that are concerned at all levels of power about, you know, what this Biden administration is doing or not doing, if you will. Well, one of the things that was said was they were drawing a comparison. It wasn't Steve Scalise that was said this, but somebody in the room, I'm not going to even say their name, but um, somebody in the room was drawing reference to the FBI and and raising a concern about the FBI not being the FBI of our grandfathers. Well, and that's been said in many rooms. And after after the event, I st- I said, well, we're going to be doing sort of like a uh, Watergate thing, 50, 50th anniversary. We're going to do something on, on the Scott Adams show. And next thing you know, I looked around. I, like, I was like in, deep in thought, talking about this. And I looked up and there was like five people staring at me. Yeah. And I was like... I didn't mean for it to be this like gripping, you know. <laughs> like I felt like uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, and I was telling the story about how I can draw a comparison to Russian hoax, and 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 I said I drew I I, I drew deference to the notion that the FBI used to be a a gold standard in investigative uh, investigations. I said case in point is is the fact that Mark Felt was the snooper. He was the uh, the person that was constantly um, eavesdropping and wiretapping. He was the guy that did it. He was found guilty of this. He was found guilty of it. So, I mean, there's a court record on him uh, wiretapping Weather Underground, wiretapping Black Panthers. And to this day, it's Nixon that gets blamed for that. But it was Mark Felt that did it. And Mark Felt was Deep Throat. And Deep Throat was Woodward's guy yeah. in the garage. Yeah. And he was an FBI guy that didn't get the promotion he was looking for. And so, therefore, he wanted to take down a president. Yeah. And it makes me think of James Comey. Well, it's, it's very similar. And it's interesting. And, but, but the FBI was never... I, I, I don't remember when it was ever... J. Edgar Hoover used to dress up in women's clothes. Yeah, so what you're trying to say is the FBI has always had issues. And yeah. it's And it's interesting when you go back and you look at the film and you have Hal Holbrook, who went to my college, Denison University, by the way, and you have Hal Holbrook doing such a marvelous performance of Deep Throat where he's romanticized. And the reason why the character was called Deep Throat was he was originally called Deep Background, but because the movie, the porno movie Deep yeah. Throat was playing at the time, it suddenly became, they started calling it I Deep Throat. I gotta watch that. Yeah, I, 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 I've never watched it. Yeah, so well, it's supposed to be. It's I a, hear like, it's good. It's it's a campy hardcore <laughs> no, porno movie, yeah. but it's campy. Yeah. That's why people like it. Is I've never seen it. <laughs> it's a, that, that's the whole point. Is yeah. it's you know the I don't, it just but it is a hardcore porno movie. But get, but get, but getting back to Deep all throat. all the okay. all the presidents men, the character of Deep Throat, who become Mark Felt, is romanticized in the film a little bit, and but the real person was not quite so romantic or so heroic Mark Felt, and, no, by, and by the time Mark, Mark Felt revealed his identity circa 2003 yeah. or 4 nobody cared he's anymore. a spineless coward and, he's, and he's, he passed away in, you know, in the spineless last coward. 10 years or so you know the thing is there's a good movie that I recommend people see and it's I think it's called what? what is it called Mark Felt I think it's called Mark Felt and uh, yeah, yeah it's Liam Neeson Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson and, Diane, the, uh, and Diane Lane plays his wife okay yeah, so it was Liam very Neeson good. though did a great job and at the end 
it literally, you know, shows the credits and says Mark Felt was found guilty of blah, 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 you know, a wiretapping. His daughter was sort of like this radical hippie. There were libtards like like there's no tomorrow. And, you know, and, and the thing is, is that they um, they were uh, he was wiretapping these people because of his daughter. He was trying to figure out like what his yeah. daughter is into, yeah. right? His daughter got hooked up in all this hippie stuff and weather underground and Bill Ayers and and you know of course Obama's book writer and mentor and where he launched his Senate campaign to to run for Illinois Senate uh, U.S. Senator uh, Barack Hussein. Uh, his mentor was Bill Ayers. You can't get any more radical mm-hmm. and, and hating America more than that. Okay, that is yeah. the benchmark for hating America. And that is where we elected our first Democrat president post 9-11, right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It never did. It never will. And anyway, the uh, 50th anniversary of uh, all the, of, of uh, Watergate is today. And, and the thing is, is that... Um, where I draw the comparison with Russian hoax versus um, uh, Watergate is I think that George Papadopoulos and Carter Page and these people were uh, were played. They were played by people like um, Stefan Halper. Uh, this, though they called him the walrus. And he would invite Carter Page to uh, meet with Dear Love in, in, in London and GCHQ. Uh, and Robert Hannigan, uh, who quit his job as soon as Trump got elected, um, the Five Eyes partners uh, with respect to uh, uh, UK and Australia and New Zealand and Canada, all these globalists, we've seen how they've portrayed themselves during COVID. We know what stripes they wear, and we know that they are uh, liberal globalists that don't care about the people that they serve that that have put them into power um and we're dealing with that on a daily basis right now and the thing is is that when you draw this comparison though it's it's george papadopoulos and carter page were similar to g gordon liddy and and howard hunt uh they were they were like you know were uh on the ground boots on the ground guys that bit on the hook that the Democrats laid out for them and said, hey, we have an opportunity to go and uh, break into the water uh, DNC, right? Yeah. And they bit. They bit on that hook. They took the bait. And like a Steve Bannon would take the bait. Oh, I'm going to get that laptop or whatever. And it, it blows up in their face in some way. And now they find themselves litigating in court and stuff like that. But... You know, um, I mean, I'm all for the uh, exposure. You know, I I think that today we're dealing with a different level of fraud in in the censorship with the big tech, and I think that that's campaign fraud, uh, big time. Uh, where you know, if you assess the value, for example, of the Hunter laptop that was buried in the New York Post stories that were censored, if you were to take a look at the value of that, that is not just the four hundred million dollars that Zuckerbucks put out Zuckerbucks. to rig elections. Um, the rigged elections, right, on the boots on the ground in these these districts, um, but it was more than that. It was it was to me. It has a billion dollar value. 
Yeah. Not just 400 million, but I think that the censorship and the coordination between the mainstream media that was owned and operated by BlackRock and the uh, big tech censorship that was controlled by Jack Dorsey and, and Mark Zuckerberg, I think that the value of that is over a billion dollars. Now, it was Barack Hussein, you know, um, who, who put Dinesh D'Souza in jail, and he just came out with 2,000 mules. But um, Dinesh D'Souza was thrown in jail for so much less, like a couple of grand. Yeah. You know, oh, he paid too much. He gave too many dollars, $2,000 more than he should have. You know, look at what Hunter Biden has been doing, right? And they took away D- Dinesh D'Souza's right to vote. What? Yeah, they took away his right to vote and the whole ball of wax. But the censorship that I went through, just posting a New York Post article, I got banned for 30 days. I'm an influencer. I have influence, right? So so basically, I was taken off the field. Basically, uh, you know, put in the penalty box, right? In, in hockey terms. And that was <clears throat> that has a value to it because you know I touch my people you know my my small network of people I touch them and and it's a thousand points of light you know it's it's a thousand of these people right of a thousand George, points of light yeah a thousand points of light remember George Herbert Walker Bush yes. did that yes um, but really you know so it was that level of influence they took us all off the field and they they did they. Totally shot down Q, Anon, and and all these other researchers that were doing fine work, whether they were correct or right or wrong, they're entitled to their free speech, and in a lot of ways, uh, they were making a big difference, peeling the onion, and trying to seek the truth, and they were taken off the field. So I think it's worth a billion dollars. But getting back to the Watergate thing, you know, they made up so. So basically, it was the Democrats that financed the break-in. Yeah, they coordinated the break-in. They used some Republicans who bit on the hook, like G. Uh, Gordon Liddy and uh, and Howard Hunt, who bit on the hook, much like George Papadopoulos and Carter Page and Steve Bannon and and a lot of uh, players like that, and 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 uh, Roger Stone, you know, and they all bit on the hook. So there are similarities similarities there, okay? But then you got Hillary Clinton financing the Russian hoax. She was also involved in understanding the playbook of Watergate because she was on the Watergate Commission. And, and, How in and the there, world do you get I that? I think she job? either she either got fired or you know when they say she got fired. Jerry Zeifman fired her because she, because she was a liar, a liar, yes. and, a, and, a, and a fraud, and uh, she got qualifications fired. to later run for president. Yeah, right. So she was always a crook, you know, and, uh, you know, I saw this meme and it's like, how many people do you know committed suicide? She has 56 in her repertoire. How, how many people you does me, a normal you person? You asked me that question and I thought about it and I said, I think there was somebody I went to grammar school with who I haven't seen since grammar yeah, school. But it's a small uh-huh. number. Like it's a one, really small two, number. Maybe three. Yeah. You know, 56 people committed suicide that she knows? Of course, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. So the Russian hoax was designed, and I remember Trump saying this so clearly and vividly. He said, um, with respect to uh, Watergate, he said, one thing I learned about Watergate and Nixon, he said, it's best to not get involved. He said, getting involved gets you in trouble. 
He said, so I choose not to get involved in things, so they're not going to find anything. And sure enough, that was the right play. Trump was always the smartest man in the room. Yeah. Always. I mean, just look at the predictions. He declared that if Biden were to get elected, there would be 5 6 and $7 a gallon gas. Guess what? He was right, right? This inflation that we're talking about, he was right. And Trump kept the wheels turning. He kept our country in the lead. He, he, he was a, uh, a, a real difference maker in, in prosperity. Um, and this COVID thing should have never happened the way it did. In any case, um, <clears throat> but the Russian hoax and the Watergate are very comparable because they were both concoctions from the Democrat Party to actually pin it on the Republican president that won in a landslide. And Nixon didn't need any help to beat McGovern, just like Trump didn't need any help to beat Hillary or to beat Biden, for that matter. Um, he got 10 million more votes than any other, uh, than he did the, the year, uh, the four years prior, uh, Donald Trump did. And Donald Trump got the most votes of any incumbent in the history of America. And you better believe that his votes were not fake. They were trying to steal his votes. He would have probably gotten more votes if it wasn't for the election fraud. But um, because for a lot of reasons, because they, they actually had to inflate the Democrat numbers so high uh, that they were running out of registered voters. I mean, there were some cases where there was over 100% turnout in a district. That's yeah. impossible, folks. So, I mean, I don't care how you slice it. That's fraud. Yeah. And uh, when, when you have that kind of shenanigan going on, when the average turnout is 70%, um, and that, you know, it, to me, it's ridiculous. In any case, so I think that the two, uh, you know, when you have Watergate financed and coordinated by the Democrats and you have Russian hoax financed and coordinated by the Democrats and Hillary Clinton is a central character in both cases, the Watergate commission uh, where she was fraudulent and she got fired. Um, she, you know, she, was, she, was, she was an exception. She stood out because she was so zealous in the way she wanted to prosecute Nixon. And the same thing was true with regard to Trump and this Russian hoax. She put it together with Perkins Coey and, uh, and uh, Christopher Steele on the Steele dossier and the coordination with the media and the FBI collusion with the media. Mark Felt was no different than James Comey. And the radical left-wing mob, media mob uh, was overzealous in the way they were pursuing this, this, this hit job. And, um, and then you had these rhinos, like Mitchell's wife, for example. Yeah. There's a big story in the documentary about her. And she was such a big mouth. She was such a moron. And she uh, instrumentally, she was instrumental in propagating and pushing that story. That there was people from within, like Howard Dean or John Dean. John Dean, remember him? Yes, I remember him. The scream heard yeah. around the world. <clears throat> well, well. Oh, that was Howard Dean. Never mind. <laughs> no, but John Dean, he, he was on uh, CNN and yeah. MSNBC. Yep. And he, he was even appeared before the committee. Yeah. And he was trying to compare, oh, this is worse than Watergate. No, it wasn't. Yeah. And Watergate was a, was a, was a uh, Democrat hit job. Yes. Because the cover-up, what they were banking on was that Nixon would cover it up. Right. He would cover it up. Uh, once it got too high up in the food chain, he would then try to cover it up. 
And he kind of did a little bit of that. He slipped and he took a bite on the hook and he did it and they got him on it. And they basically got him. So it wasn't the crime. He didn't know anything about the break-in. It was the cover-up that got him, did him in. And that's why Trump said, one thing I learned about Watergate was the cover-up is worse than the crime. Yeah. And uh, I choose not to get involved. So that was the comparison. And that's what they were trying to get Trump on. That's why they were pushing for the impeachment. And that's all it was. Is they knew that this wasn't going to fly, but they knew they had a complicit media yeah. that was going to push this Russian hoax. And uh, just like they did Watergate. And they wouldn't let it die. They wouldn't drop the ball. They wouldn't let the story go. And they had insiders in Washington, rhinos, that were turncoat uh, on Nixon because Nixon was uninsured. Nixon was a rock star and a hero to America politics. And and uh, the best thing that we could have had at that time, and um, and they 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 totally destroyed him, and just like they did with Trump. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's very very similar, and the same actors that were involved in Watergate, like Hillary Clinton, were involved in the Russian hoax, and that's a story, by the way, that you will not hear yes anywhere but here. True. And I laid it out for you, and it's very plausible. And not only that, I did a lot of fact-checking on that. It factually is true. It, it's, it's very, very true. So we don't have all the details as to the money trails. But you know, there, there's uh, several books, actually, yeah. um, that were written up about this particular angle. Mm-hmm. So you, you would hear it from those book writers. Right, of course. Yeah. But that's about it. But there's not hardly anybody that's talking about Watergate that's coming from that angle, from that particular perspective. So we said we were going to talk about Watergate later. Well, we already now we've talked about Watergate. Yes, that's right. We beat <laughs> I think it we're death. I think we're covered. <laughs> yeah. So we got a lot of different clips we want to play today, and um, one is uh, with regard to the J six injustice. And Marjorie Taylor Greene came out with a great. Uh, expose or she came out with a great um she stood up in front of the house and she basically said you know if they're going to hold a charade mm-hmm. uh at night at, you know prime time mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to get some attention on this and give another perspective yeah and you know as much as i didn't like the fact that she endorsed jd vance i do appreciate the fact that jd vance is probably the only yeah. person that could beat tim ryan yes uh for that senate seat and so I do appreciate that part, and um, and I and I do appreciate Marjorie Taylor Greene, especially for what she said and did here. And we're going to take a listen to that. Let's take a listen. Appreciate you bringing up these very important details that I highly doubt we will hear anything about from the January sixth committee. You know, there's some very interesting facts that came out uh, today, as a matter of fact, reporting on the failure of this chamber, this capital to be secured. And I want to tell you something. On January 6th, I was a brand new member of of Congress. And I want you to know, I thought... How many days had you been here, Representative Green? uh, January 3rd was my first day on the job. So you've been here three days. That's right. Three days. All right. And I looked at the Capitol and thought this was the most secure building 
that I could possibly be in, in, at least in this city, possibly in the country, because it's our nation's capital. And tragically, tragically, we found out it was not. And I was shocked by that. What, what amazes me is the overwhelming amount of evidence that the National Guard was requested to be here, and it was continuously turned down. And the biggest shocker to me is that there's three people, three people that turned it down. It was Chuck Schumer in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi in the House, and Mayor Muriel Bowser. If I could interject for just a moment, who's in charge of security here in the House of Representatives? The Sergeant-in-Arms, and that and, would be Nancy by, Pelosi. Right. Nancy Pelosi. The Speaker. The Speaker of the House is the one in charge of the House Sergeant-in-Arms. And that, the House Sergeant-in-Arms and the Senate Sergeant-in-Arms turned down the request for the National Guard to keep all of us safe from the threats that they knew existed. Are we going to find out if they got ordered to do that by the Speaker or by the leader in the Senate? When Are we going to find that out tonight? No, we will not hear that from the January 6th committee that has spent millions of taxpayer dollars supposedly investigating January 6th. I doubt, high, highly doubt we will hear that. But I want you to know that when we take back majority, these will be, be the investigations that we take on. Now, I want you to know some other things that really bother me as we've spoken. By the way, the millions of mm -hmm. dollars they're spending are coming out of conservative pockets. Yes. So it benefits yeah. this propaganda, just yeah. like the ministries are, the, the censors are, yeah. Yeah. Um, the ministry of truth czar. Um, yeah. they, they would use conservative dollars to push in the research to, to fulfill their propaganda yeah. Yeah. while censoring the, the uh, conservative voices yeah. yep. and, and this you know like they've been doing that with um, Planned Parenthood and abortions uh, where they take conservative dollars and give it to Planned Parenthood yep. and that's the injustice of the whole thing that's why this is a huge boondoggle and a benefit to the Democrats but I think it's blowing up in their face because at some point mm -hmm. it's it's almost too much too much um, uh, just BS, you know, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, too much BS. And it's almost like a nagging uh, mate, you know, if you're yeah. dating somebody and they keep calling you, it's like, you know, uh, enough already. You're starting to really look yeah. like yeah. St stupid. Right. And, uh, you know, and um, and that's what the Adam Adam Schiff and and these these folks are looking like. They're just mm -hmm. basically like, really, you're coming to the well again, and you're asking, yeah, you're going to be lying more and more. Like your the truth equity is is shot. You're, yeah. you're you're you have no integrity left. Let's continue. And about the the failure and absolutely purposeful refusal to protect this capital by. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, Chuck Schumer, and Mayor Muriel Bowser. These are, these are the failures. They did it on purpose. There's other things I, I don't think we'll hear about tonight, and I want to remind everyone. Number one, we still do not know who the pipe bomber is. Who is the person? There are videos everywhere. It's all over the FBI website. But we don't hear that coming out consistently from the January 6th committee. You know what else we don't hear enough about? We do not understand what is happening to the over 800 people who have been arrested and charged for the events on January 6th? We don't know what is happening to them, and there are dozens of them right here in this city wasting away in the D.C. jail. 
being treated like political prisoners of war. And you know what? This is before they have been convicted of anything. They are there pre-trial. And no one cares about them. No one on this January 6th committee dares to ask a question, what is happening to these people and why their due process rights are being so fragrantly and horrifically violated pre-trial. Pre-trial, they are sitting in that jail. Do you know they have begged, begged to go to Guantanamo Bay because they think terrorists are treated better than they are treated there. But no one cares about them. These people have been arrested and charged and they're wasting in jail. You want to know something else that we're not probably not going to hear about? What about the fact that there's a man named Ray Epps? Do you know who's not in the D.C. jail? Ray Epps. Ray Epps is not in the D.C. jail. And I know because I went in the D.C. jail. I did not see him there. He also is on video over and over again telling people to go in the Capitol. Well, I'm sure we'll hear about Ray Epps this evening. I don't think we're going to hear about Ray Epps. I don't think so. I don't think he's on the witness list. You know who else we probably won't hear about? The man on the scaffolding, the so-called scaffolding commander that, that told the crowd, told them, sent them, gave them orders to go in the Capitol, storm the Capitol. I haven't heard any, I haven't heard about him being questioned, have you? No, I have not. No. You want to know something else? Here's a woman we don't hear anything about. A woman named Roseanne Boylan that was trampled in the tunnel, trampled to death. We never hear anything about this woman. She died in the tunnel of this Capitol, and I saw the video myself when I was in the D.C. jail from one of the people being held there, pre-trial, by the way, of her body being drugged across the floor, being drugged across the floor, and then it was taken somewhere else. Do you know what happened when they were dragging her body away? They pulled her away from someone that was giving her CPR. She was pulled away from life-saving CPR. Why did that happen? Are we going to hear about that from the committee tonight? I doubt it. They don't care about Roseanne Boylan. Here's, here's my major issue. We are representatives of the people of the United States of America, and all I hear from everyone in this body is all they care about is themselves. The American people are suffering from so many things happening from the decisions of this body. But the people in this body and the people on that committee don't care about Roseanne Boylan from Georgia, by the way. They don't care about her family. They don't care about justice for them. They don't care about anything else but, oh, what happened to us on January 6th? Well, what happened to the American cities in 2020 that were burned and looted and destroyed because of BLM violence. Nothing. All that money raised on Act Blue for BLM, it went in their pockets. No one paid to rebuild, rebuild those communities. Not at all. You know what else we probably won't hear about? Is Michael Byrd, who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt right out there. We don't hear about his reckless record of guns, which is all we've talked about all weekend here. We aren't hearing about that. Why aren't we hearing about that record? Why? Why isn't he standing trial? He's not. He just gets to get away with it. Did you know, and it's on video, I bet you we won't see this video, but I've seen it and it's out there. Did you know Ashley Babbitt was trying to stop people from breaking in? That is on video. I've watched it over and over. She was trying to stop people from breaking in, and then she was shot and killed. Yes, a lot happened on January 6th, and here's my question. 
You know what else? And the American taxpayer pay, taxpayers pay for this. There's surveillance cameras all over this building. If we really want to know the truth about January 6th, it's real easy. All we have to do is release the video footage and everyone can see for themselves what exactly happened. And I think the American people deserve that. While they have to watch and go through this big cinematic production tonight and carrying on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the American people pay for it, by the way, the American people deserve to see all, all the video surveillance, not just the little cut and pasted pieces that the January 6th committee is going to show tonight. And most of all, I want to finish with this. There is something terrible happening in this process, and it's called defamation of character. The president, the 45th president of the United States character is being defamed, and all of his staff and his family and all Republicans, everyone's reputation is being defamed as lies are being told about all of us and President Trump just for politics. And it makes me sick. It absolutely disgusts me. If we're supposed to represent the American people and we're supposed to do a good job and, and uphold this place with honor and keep its reputation good for the people we serve, then we should be truthful. But what's about to happen tonight is not going to be truthful. It's going to be a political narrative, and it's all for politics, and it is sickening. And with that, I'll yield back my time. Wow. wow. That was, was that perfect? Yeah. Yeah. I been saying all of that stuff for years, but yeah. she said it so perfectly. Yeah, she did. Unbelievable. I, I just I just love that she did that. And that that's not a new clip. That that's from last week. But no. I I just discovered it and uh two days ago and I said, I gotta play that for my audience. <laughs> it's mm. just so perfect. It's brilliant. And I wish we had more Congress people uh like that. Yeah, uh, we need a lot Thanks more. Thanks, Green. Why is the president um, saying that? So, this is uh, this is another one. This is um, this is Peter Ducey asking, "What's her name?" Karine Jean Pierre, as uh, Tucker Carlson calls her, Karine Jean Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Karine. Uh, well, it's it's actually right on the screen. I yeah. I, I was uh, asking you because I wanted to, to hear you speak French. <laughs> so, how do you say it in French? Karine Jean Pierre. But say it with a little bit more French accent Karine Jean-Pierre oh okay that's there it's a little better a little right? better um this is a great question now the, the, um Biden was over at the AFC, AFL-CIO lying through yeah. his teeth right talking about inflation and and talking about how America is the best uh you know we're leading the world it's so much worse elsewhere right so that's the big question how bad is the inflation elsewhere right and, and well, it turns out that China is 2%. Yeah. We're 8.6%. Yeah. China inflation is 2%. And France is 5.2%. Now, when I was writing about the French election, they were very upset about the level of inflation in France because it had grown tremendously. And I remember thinking about this was just a couple <laughs> months ago um, that – but I said, you know, it's still much lower than ours Yeah, is. well, Saudi Arabia is 2.3%. Yeah. Italy, 6.9%. Yeah. Yeah. Japan is only 2.5%. So Saudi Arabia and Japan are doing well. China is doing well. India is at 7%. Canada yeah. is 6.8%. France, 52 
you know what? Ama- and that was a lot of growth. That was bad for you, France. You know what's, a, you know what's amazing about this? Think about this. Germany yeah. is seven point nine. Yeah. The globalist nations. What are the globalist nations? It's Germany. It's France. It's Canada. Right. The, all these people. The India. Uh, they're participating in the globalism yeah. to, as well. Italy. They're at 6.9, 7, 6.8, 5.2, 7.9. America's at 8.6. Saudi Arabia and Japan are, aren't messing, messing around with globalism. Mm-hmm. They're not meddling in that. And that's where BlackRock is dominant. That's where Vanguard is dominant. That's where Klaus Schwab and, and the World Economic Forum is dominant. And wherever th- th- that is, okay? Yeah. They don't get involved in this globalism crap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 2.3, 2.0, and 2.5 inflation. Mm-hmm. But where every other place, like Justin Trudeau, uh, uh, Macron, you know, um, Germany's leader uh, used to be Angela Merkel. Now it's, uh, I forget the guy's name, Schmidt, I think. Um, in any case, <clears throat> Italy, they're all globalists. And they're all really, really high. I just made that observation just now. I bet you there's something to Olaf that. Olaf Schultz. <laughs> yeah, Schultz. Okay, Schmidt, Schultz, uh, whatever. Yeah, you're close. Um, yeah. But in any case, no, think about that. Think about it. I think there is a connection there. Yeah. I, I think there is. And, you know, 3 4% is, is a big deal. And, and you know, of course, we have the Fed right now uh, increasing and jacking up rates, and it's going to make things even more impossible. Uh, there is this story I just saw this morning about these cattle that in Kansas that just mm-hmm. died from heat exhaustion. Why in the world would these f- cattle ranchers not uh, spray them with water and just have water sprayed everywhere? Yeah. You know, but <clears throat> you're going to listen to Peter Ducey here. Ask Karine Jean Pierre. Uh, did I say that? Well, pretty enough? good, very yeah, good. Okay. Um, and he's going to ask her these questions about um, inflation and why the president lied. And she just continues to lie for the lie. Pardon. Why is the president saying <laughs> that inflation is worse everywhere but here? Uh, because what we have seen uh, across the globe, first of all, inflation is a global challenge, as we have said. Uh, it is uh, it is it is. It is caused by uh, uh, clearly um, the pandemic, this once in a generation pandemic that we are coming out of, and also uh, most recently uh, the war that uh, that Putin started in Ukraine that has caused inflation as we look at food and as we look at gas prices. So if you look at globally other countries um, and if you look at where we are economically, when you think about the Group 7, the G7, uh, we are in a much stronger place than we are economically than, than the rest. And, and also... I did, I did yep. look globally, though. He says that inflation is worse everywhere but here. That's not true. The U.S. has worse inflation than Germany, France, Japan, Canada, India, Italy, Saudi Arabia. Well, so why is he saying that? I think we, what we are saying is that... Uh, when you talk about inflation, it is a global thing. And it is not just about the United States. This is something that everyone is feeling because of coming out of a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, because of the war that Russia has started in Ukraine. Okay, why isn't the president asking oil companies to drill more here in the U.S.? Let me just let me just give you a little bit of a rundown of why we are here. Um, when, and just, what, I know his letter was a lot about refining and increasing refining, but that's a lot of oil that comes in from overseas. So why isn't he asking so, 
companies to drill more here in the U.S.? Well, hold on. So here we go. So this is where we are. I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown of why we are here and what's going on and why we wrote the letter. So due to decreased demand at the start of the pandemic, U.S. oil refineries reduced their capacity by more than 800,000 barrels per day. Now that consumers' demand has returned, thanks to the President's recovery plan, oil refineries have still not brought refinery capacity back to the pre-pandemic level. So that is the problem, and that is what we're trying to address. At the same time, Putin's invasion of Ukraine put pressure on global supply, and gas prices have gone up by nearly $2 since before the invasion. So President Biden has taken historic actions to elevate this pressure, releasing record amounts of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and relying, uh, relaying the world to, to, to relaying the world to release, to release oil too. That's at 240 uh, million uh, barrels of oil that he was able to do with his partnership. And so we are now at the highest levels of domestic production. So we actually have uh, of crude oil since April of 2020, with an additional 9,000 approved drilling permits that remain unused. But refinery capacity needs to come back too. So that is what the problem is. We need them to actually refine uh, the. Crude oil, which is not happening, and that's what we're calling on oil companies to do. Why not drill more here in the U.S. though? We, because we don't need to do that. What we need them to do is, with the oil that's out there, we need the, to, them to refine that oil so that so that prices, so that the capacity could go up, and then prices need to do that. would go down okay. inherently go down. Yeah. And so, I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. Is that, the, is that a priority? So here, climate I, I, change I, over gas. No, prices? that's not what we're saying. We're what saying we're saying that. President, we're saying I'm answering. I'm answering the question. I'm answering the question. By the way, it's that promise of closure that's causing the speculators to jack up the prices yeah. today. Yep. Uh, that's why you're paying if you're buying uh, oil at $118 a barrel during the uh, Obama years, and it was only three dollars and change, and now it's over five dollars, and the price per barrel is the same. It's not the greed of the oil companies; it's the speculators saying that the future is bleak. Yeah, and so therefore we need to actually get our profits to weather the bleak. Uh, mm-hmm. Forecast. Yep. And that's called speculation. That's what's going on. Addressing climate change. First of all, we it's you can do both at the same time. What we're trying to deal for, uh, what we're trying to uh, deal with right now is how do we lower cost for American families? And one of the things that we are seeing currently right now with oil refineries is they are using this moment that there is a war in Ukraine to to actually make a profit when they there are steps that they can take so that we can actually lower lower gases low gas prices for families and so the president has taken action right we talked about the strategic petroleum that he's done tapping into barrels how much is that lowered prices it, here's the thing here's the thing peter if we had if the president had not taken the actions that he's taken in the past several months it would not. It, the prices that we see now would be a lot worse. It's actually blunted uh, some of the increase uh, that could have been. Uh, and so the the president has taken action. He has been a lead. No, no. It's his promise to end fossil fuels that's killing right. the the oil industry, right. and it's it's actually causing this, the the markets to price oil out of out of control. Um, I have another clip that I have to play. 
It's such a great clip. Remember Brian Mast? Yes, we of helped course. him get election. We had we had him on the show years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And um, this this is superb. Uh, he tells this other congressman, Ke- Keating, to shut his mouth. <laughs> I love it. Now he is a war veteran, uh, Harvard grad, but a war veteran. Just a really great guy. Double amputee. Yeah, double double amputee, and um, I, I love this exchange. Uh, but let's take a listen. Ready, Mr. Light, uh, and that was that Russians were manipulating the market and increasing prices before the invasion. And and why I think it's so important that you said that today is because let's all ask ourselves what was President Biden doing. While this was going on and ahead of that going on, well, he was cutting off U.S. pipelines and creating a a difficult regulatory environment for made-in-America oil and gas. You guys are to blame. That is what you were doing, and everybody should be pointing their fingers at you, which is exactly what I'm going to do. I don't have any questions for you. I do want to talk about Development Finance Corporation. I do have your budget request right here, uh, what you're asking for from we the people, the American people, and I do have the EESDA in front of me right here. I want to go over a few parts of it, as I did with Mr. Nathan a couple days ago uh, and want to know your opinion on these. Part of the EESDA specifically says to facilitate international negotiations concerning cross-border infrastructure. Should I understand cross-border infrastructure as it relates to the energy and EESDA as pipelines? Uh, Thank you for the question, Congressman. Is it pipelines? As I think um, CEO Nathan mentioned in his testimony, cross-border infrastructure would include infrastructure for energy. That's our mandate under... Cross-border would be a pipeline. That's a pipeline that goes across a border, Well, right? for example, in the energy... Uh, if you look at the project eligibility guidelines in the Act... Is it a pipeline, it among other electricity things? Electricity tr- transmissions. Is it a pipeline, among other things? Well, I, th- I think it, it could be. Are you against pipelines? Well... Are you for pipelines? The, 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 are you for pipelines? The Act discusses... Let's go with that one. Are you for pipelines? Congressman, I, I appreciate the question. Yes or no? Four pipelines, personal, yes? In my personal no. capacity, I have been really honored to have this opportunity to serve. I'm not worried about how honored you are. Are you for pipelines? With respect, uh, Congressman, my personal opinion is... This is what people hate about Washington, D.C. It's a what is a woman, right? What is a woman? I know. It gets, it gets a little too complicated when you <laughs> yeah. start parsing everything yeah, that yeah, way. yeah. yeah. Simple question. You're asking for money from the U.S. taxpayer to do cross-state infrastructure overseas as related to energy. Are you for pipelines or not? I think that the, de- the Development Finance Corporation is interested in advancing any project that can deliver energy security for It does our say diversity on here, energy Europe. diversity, and it does say uh, renewable and non-renewable fuels. That's the EESDA. So are you for pipelines? In the act, the project eligibility so you won't say allows for pipelines. It's al- yes or no. Allows us to work on projects that can deliver electricity generating capacity using fossil or clean energy. So you're and, for fossil we, fuel use. And we will advance. You're the DFC, for the DFC. The DFC will creating a friendly regulatory please, environment. Uh, if I could fossil- interrupt, no, you allow. Can't. Yes, I can't. No, you can't. It's not your yes, time. Yes, I can't. No, you can't, sir. You guys, mess you'd like an argument. Allow him to answer time. the question. In all due respect. There's no respect taken. Evidently, there's no, no respect no. given. 
that's because you guys are chair, messing up energy. Chair recognizes for our the witness to you guys are a question that was posed to him. Ridiculously expensive for Americans, and you don't want to be questioned you, about it. Are you pleased you're getting the soundbite, sir? I'm not going to participate in problem. it. Don't participate then. Let Close the your mouth and let me witness. ask my questions. Don't participate. Let me Close my mouth, sir. Yes, you heard it directly. That's why you sound so offended, because you heard what I said. So let's do that, and let me finish answer, asking my questions. Allow Thank them you. to answer the question. If he wanted to answer the question, he could. Let's get back to the questions that you don't want to answer. Do you support pipelines? We know that you don't. We talked about what Mr. Light said already, that the, 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 the Russians were working to manipulate these markets ahead of the invasion into the Ukraine. And what was the Biden administration doing? Absolutely nothing. They were cutting off pipelines here in the United States of America, creating a difficult regulatory environment for oil and gas exploration. You guys are to blame for this. You're interrupting me because you don't want Democrats to have to answer for what Democrats have been doing in the House of Representatives, what the administration has been doing as it relates to energy, cutting off 25,000 jobs as it relates to the XL pipeline, 800,000 barrels a day of oil to the United States of America. You're willing to ask for money for the Development Finance Corporation, money from we the people in the United States of America to develop energy infrastructure overseas, reduce the regulatory environment for energy infrastructure to include fossil fuel usage overseas, but you'll cut it off here for made in America from sea to shining sea, and you guys are absolutely wrong because of it. Now you can have two seconds back. <laughs> how do you like me now? Yeah, how do you like me now? Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. That's Brian Mast. Exactly. I like him. He's oh, very, my God. He, he's very powerful. And you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that he graduated from Harvard. Yeah. He did that later in life while he was married with uh, children. I and actually, he did it at the time. Yeah. It was a, right around the time we were interviewing him. He went up because he got his degree in 2016, the yeah. year he was running for uh, yeah. he was running for his uh, position. So we're not going to play Tucker Carlson, but we are going to run the clip that I, I think is really important. He, he, like, he just lamb blasted last night. He he lamb blasted. Lamb blasted. Uh, lamb ba- lamb blasted. Bastard. Okay. <laughs> lamb blasted. He lamb blasted um, Fauci, man. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. Um, but let's take a listen to Rand Paul uh, asking Fauci about kickbacks, royalties. It's it's literally legal kickbacks. Okay. To refuse to voluntarily divulge the names of scientists who receive royalties and from which companies. Over the period of time from 2010 to 2016, 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. We know that not because you told us, but because we forced you to tell us through the Freedom of Information Act. Over $193 million was given to these 1,800 employees. Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about royalties. That's the question. No, that's the question. Have oh, you ever no, overseen, Senator, have you ever received a royalty plan. payment from a company that you later oversaw money going to that company? You know, I don't know is a fact, but I doubt it. I well, well, here's the thing is, why don't you let us know? Why don't you reveal how much you've gotten and from what entities? The NIH okay, refuses. Look, we ask them. 
We ask them, the NIH, we ask them whether or not who got it and how much. They refuse right. to tell us. They sent it redacted. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Right. Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received gonna, any money from people who make vaccines? Question? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay. What a punk. <laughs> you know, I just want to slap Fauci around a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just so sick and tired of that little pompous butthead. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. <laughs> butthead, um, like Beavis and Butthead. Uh, Steve Dace had a really great clip. He, he was talking about, uh, um, it's like cult-like, um, about how people um, take the COVID and they get sick, like Fauci did, right? Mm -hmm. He got COVID. And they just basically thank the, the vaccine and they blame the people that didn't get vaccinated. Let's take is, a listen. Is incalculable. And there's really a f small group of individuals to blame for it, of which he is the ringleader. And now here we Fauci. sit. Ironically, maybe serendipitously, and the self-proclaimed science has been failed by the science. And now Dr. Frankenstein always ends up hating the monster. I'm, I'm sorry, the, uh, the virus that he created. And now here it is. His vaccines have failed him like they have failed so many people. And therefore, the only thing to do is to double down and, and triple down or in his case, quadruple down and now demand that we give them to toddlers who are neither victims nor vectors of the virus by every data model we have had on this outbreak since April and May of 2020. There, there's a lot of reasons for why we're continuing on these paths, Tucker, and I can promise you all of them are bad. It's just funny how no one ever mentions it. If you ask your average person, you should try this. It's not a scientific survey, of course, but it's interesting. How many people do you know personally, personally, who've died from COVID? Right. How many people do you know personally who've been injured or killed by the COVID vaccine? Just ask that question. Or how many people do you know who got the COVID vaccine and got very sick from COVID anyway? Everybody knows the answers to those questions, and yet this is just an all-memory hold. And it allows him to get up there and be like, more vaccines! And then, of course, there's always the prepared statement Gavin Newsom did this recently. I want to, everybody has done this. Every celebrity has done this. I want to thank my vaccine, which failed me because I'd be even sicker if I had not taken it. It's a little bit like thanking your birth control after you're pregnant because had you not been taking it, you would have had triplets. Never in human history, Tucker, have we ever blamed a product's failure on the people who didn't use it and then thanked the product after it failed us. This is cognitive dissonance. It's groupthink. Frankly, it is rather cultic. Well, I thought that was a brilliant piece of uh, statement there. Yeah. <laughs> it just, and, you know, we had, we had so much more that we uh, wanted to cover today. But uh, before we get out of Dodge, got, let me, oh, right, let, let me yeah. plug my article. I, yeah. it, it, it appeared Ten a seconds. week ago from Blueberry Pageant Princess to Senior Counselor to the President, The Amazing Journey of Kellyanne Conway. It's my review of her book. Here's the deal. You just but it's uh, you have to go uh, look under authors by first name, Leonora, and you'll find it. Spectator.org. Spectator.org. Uh, she writes really fine work over there and that piece that you did I think it's your best well thank you uh, so check it out uh, with that my name's Scott Adams my name's Leonore Cravetta you're listening to the Scott Adams show we'll see you next time on the radio bye bye everybody we're a stand the mound's getting steeper and grab a shovel dig a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there